Well, what I want to do today is I want to have a state of the church address. State of the church. My fellow Bacrikians, what I want to share with you today is of utmost importance. <laughs> no, I, I do. I want us to do that. As we, we start this new year, uh, there's a lot that I want to share that we're going to do. Hopefully, if Lord wills, if he's in it, we're going to do. But first of all, before we, we look to the future, we've got to celebrate uh, the past. We've got to celebrate what God did. And before we even do that, we, of course, need to check to see if we're alive. So, uh, go to the person to your left and check their pulse. I'm just kidding. You don't have to unless you want to. If they're not breathing, please check. Okay? We have an AED in the back. I said it right that time. Okay? So, anyways. Uh, <laughs> State of the church. Let me ask you this question. And you do know the answer to this if you're a, a member. If you're a guest, soak this in. All right, uh, you're here for whatever reason you're here. I hope that you leave here encouraged uh, that God's people are out and about the work of God. But let me ask uh, our members here, why do we exist? Why do we gather? Why do we push small groups so much? Why do we serve? Why do we have an offering? Why do we give? Church, what is our mission? To make And how? How do we do that? That's right. That's right. For those that kind of didn't hear it fully, listen, we exist. Buck Creek Baptist Church exists to make biblical disciples. All right? There's different kinds of disciples out there. We're, we're believing biblical discipleship, and we do it in the context of relational environments. So to make biblical disciples in relational environments. Now, we get that from Scripture, all right, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we find out not just from the beginning of the Bible, but even before the beginning, relationships have always existed in the Godhead. And when God came down, every rule, every law, every desire that he has for us is to be played in the context of relationships. The home, the community, the church, and the world. Any kind of command that God gives you, it must be fully played out in community, in the context of relationships. But we said we're here to make biblical disciples. We're not just here for an hour a week just to kind of uh, scratch our uh, religious itch, all right? We're not here just to be a good country club. We're not here to be uh, a civic place who just gives so that we can help cure something, we exist to make disciples, which begs the question, which many of us know the answer to this. What is a disciple? Matthew 4.19. Matthew 4.19 says, and this is Jesus' invitation, and this is our calling. Uh, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now listen, the word men in there is the word anthropos, anthropology. Okay, it's the study of humanity. So if you're thinking, well, why not women? It's both, okay? It's men and women, all right? So we are to make fishers of men. So what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who does what? Right, follows Christ. Someone who is what? Changed with Christ. So someone who follows Christ is someone who becomes a disciple. Someone who is being changed by Christ is someone who is being discipled by the Word of God and by the people of God. 
So can you really be changed by Christ if you're not in his word and in community? No. You're just, you're just like a fish floundering. You, you have no community. You have no discipling taking place. And third, we are to be on mission with Christ. That means that you and I personally are discipling others. You see the pattern there? Become a disciple. Follow Christ. Be discipled. That's how we become changed. Become like Christ. As people pour into us. As we get into the word of God. And then we have the awesome privilege and responsibility to disciple others. That, that sounds good. Nice on a coffee mug. But here's the real question. Buck Creek Baptist Church. Are we making disciples? If that's the one thing that we are called to do is to make disciples in relational environments. Are we doing that? Well, let's see. In 2018, we had seven baptisms. We had 28 new members uh, join the church. We have 12. Is that right, Kenny? 12 small groups. We have 12 small groups. And listen to this. This is what I'm really excited about. We have eight apprentices. Okay, you know what that means, right? That means the potential of pretty soon eight new small groups. Are you kidding me? This is exciting. We have, this year, we had 27 of our own members go out on the mission field. Are you kidding me? 27 members on mission. We support six missionary families. And listen, church, because of your faithful giving... Over $550,000 was given to support the work of the church locally and missions globally. That is part of making disciples. So if you're not pumped about that, wake up, okay? This is exciting. This is what you have been a part of this year or last year, okay? You were a part of that. You were a part of that. Isn't that exciting? I mean, my goodness. That's insane, church. You were a part of making an eternal difference in people's lives. Not just gathering a crowd of people. All right, we didn't just gather a crowd of people. We saw people grow. People who were outside become inside. We saw people who came to know Christ get baptized. We saw small groups grow this year. Not only that, we saw people take a step of faith and become leaders in small group. They're going around the wheel from from a dead person to an infant to a child. And now some of them are becoming young adults in their faith. They're wanting to serve. They're wanting to get involved in the mission of God. And guess what? If there's eight apprentices... That means there's, there's at least eight disciple makers. So we have parents in the group as well. This is very exciting, church. 2018 was amazing. What are we going to do for 2019? What are we going to do for 2019? Here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to celebrate 240 years of service for Christ in Chesney, South Carolina. Can you believe Buck Creek Baptist Church has been around 240 years? That's amazing. That, that's, that's awesome to know the ministry has kept going on for 240 years. Is there anybody here today that was a charter member? 
We have one? All right. Okay. That is exciting. Guess what also we're going to do? We're going to grow in Christian education. Listen, one of the things that is a high point in our church is relationships. All right. I'll say two things about that. Number one, small groups. Those who are getting into small groups, man, they just, they just fall in love with the people. They fall in love with God's word. They love the accountability and the food. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's awesome. But the other thing that that's bleeding over into the Sunday morning experience because we have guests that are constantly telling us, and this church really has welcomed me with open arms. They don't know me from anybody else. And yet they, this church, <clears throat> I feel like this is a place I could belong. You see, we are a people of relationships. But what we find out, Christianity as a whole, we have become biblically illiterate. What that basically means is we, we, we know a few things. We know a few children's stories that we learned when we were younger. But we're not in the word of God. We don't know how, we don't know what the Bible says about how to strengthen our prayer life. We don't know what the Bible says about dealing with a broken relationship, marriage. We don't know how, how the word of God speaks to our addictions and how we can be set free. There are many people, and I would say even right here in this room, that have the word of God with them and they search the scriptures to find eternal life and the scriptures testify about Jesus Christ and yet you deny him. We are, as a whole, a biblically illiterate nation. And so what we are making a commitment uh, to do is on Sunday mornings to grow in Christian education. How many of y'all were part of our launch this morning uh, in, in at 9 a.m.? Look at that. That is so awesome. That is amazing. And there's more to come. Every 12 weeks, there's going to be a new uh, session. So if you're thinking to yourself, if you're in like John, oh, I really want to get in Revelation. Hang tight. Hang tight. 11 more weeks. And then you'll be there. So this is so exciting. Uh, not only that, we want to grow in sharing our faith. We have planned an evangelism conference in March. All right, we have a guest speaker who's going to come and he's going to share during the 9 a.m. and the noon service. And then after that, after that, during one of our nine o'clock hours, we're going to teach you how to share your faith using three circles. It is going to be absolutely amazing. We want you to have the tools available because here's the deal. If you truly are a Christ follower, you love your neighbor. And you want them to spend eternity in heaven, right? You love your grandkids and you want to one day hold them in heaven forever. You have a coworker, but You see them going down a path that's breaking your heart. And you want to know what to say to him or her. Church... This year is the year we're going to learn. We're going to have tools in our toolbox to share our faith, to invite people to church. And also what we're going to do in 2019 is we're going to grow in family relationships. We're going to grow in family relationships. In February, we have a marriage emphasis called Habits of a Healthy Marriage. Okay, It'll be an event that we have right here at church. Habits of a healthy marriage. Here's what I'm afraid some of you are going to do. I'm fine. I don't need that stuff. Or some of you, and I've heard this before. I don't want to go to those marriage conferences because it'll mess up a good thing. You know what that, that tells me? That tells me already there's a relationship problem. You do your thing. Your spouse does their own thing. You're happy. God has so much more for you. And so what we want to do is we want to put tools in your toolbox for you to have a strong, Christ-centered marriage. 
Parenting. In the fall, we're going to have something for you as well, for parents and for the children during that time. It's going to be crazy. So we have a lot going on in 2019, which brings me to personally my goals. Every ministry leader is going to have a specific goal for their ministry. But as a pastor, I think of church-wide. What what can 2019 look like? Here's what it is. Six new small groups. Six new small groups. Can you believe that? We need that. We need that. Some of our small groups are too large, and it's no longer becoming a small group. It's becoming a mini church, all right? And, and people aren't able to share like small group is intended to do. So we need that. We also need new leaders, okay? We don't want people to be stagnant in their walk with Christ. So we want six new small groups. I want 300 in attendance on Sunday morning, and it has nothing to do with numbers, okay? This has nothing to do with that per se, okay? Yay, look, we got 300. No, here's the deal. Right now, between what's, what's in here and what's out there, I mean, in our nursery, is about 250, approximately. And I think to myself, God, what is your will for us? What is, what is the will of God for your church? You know what I think it is? It's to be faithful. Faithful to disciple. If we're faithful to disciple, God is going to be faithful to bless our obedience, right? So how can we weigh whether we're, we're being faithful in discipleship? We bring more people here, right? That's what it's all about. It's all about more people hearing the good news of Christ and being discipled by somebody here. So 300 in attendance. You know what that means? That means just a handful of you inviting people. How many of you are going to be that, that handful? How many of you are going to be that handful? We could do this, church. We could do this. How about this? Every member finding a place to serve. Rick Warren coined a phrase. I love it. Every member a minister. Listen, if you are a child of God, you're in the ministry. The question is, are we being obedient to it or not? There is a ministry for you. Now listen, here's my fear. My fear is that there's people out there, right here, right you, who aren't serving because you're waiting for us to ask you. First of all, I'm sorry. Okay, On Sunday morning, it's a big blur. You all look beautiful to me, okay? <laughs> you do, but it's a blur. If God is pressing on you to serve, come to us. Come to us. Don't, don't hinder your spiritual growth because I or Kenny or, or a leader has not specifically asked you. You come. You say, what do you have for me to do? And we'll, we'll find a place of service for you. Every member a minister. And then last, reduce debt. We got some debts. And I'm going to talk more about that uh, near the end. But listen, church, we have a lot to celebrate about what God has done in our lives. But here's, here's a thought. What would God want His church? What would God want you to do even greater this year? Listen, none of us are going to be perfect. Let's see, it's January, what, 5th? 6th? <laughs> Man, this year's going by so fast. Okay, anyways. Uh, January 6th. How many of y'all have already blown it this year? Raise your hand. Okay, so we're, we're there, okay? I heard a great phrase, and it, it, it's really stuck to me a lot. Scott, I cannot, I cannot be perfect. So I can't pursue perfection, but I need to pursue progress. All right, I need to be a person who pursues progress. 
Listen, I'm not where I want to be, but praise God, I'm not who I was, right? That's, that's, that should be the testimony of all of us. 2018, it had its victories, it had its defeats. 2019, listen, are we going to be a people who are obedient to God and allow Him to work His miracles in and through us? Here's a question for us as we kind of get going here. Um, what if we really believe this? What if we really believe that Christ could come back this year? Think about that, church. What if we really believed that Christ could come back in 2019? Have you ever really thought about that before? We always say, yeah, Christ can come back at any time. Now, I'm not one of those weird prophets that wants to write a book and make millions of dollars here. So I'm not going to say that he's going to be here in 2019. I wouldn't mind that one bit. What if Christ comes back this year? Where do you want to be in relationship to him? Where do you want to be in relationship to him? Listen, if you thought he was coming back, and he could, would you live differently? If you believed that Christ could come back this year, would you share your faith with a greater boldness? Would you serve more, or would you still seek to be served? If you really believe that Christ could come back this year, would your possessions seem less important than the things that last for eternity? See, the world's all about that, right? Gathering up as many toys as possible before we leave. Christianity is about, man, let's give it away. If that means that people can be fed and hear the gospel, so be it. So be it. What I want to share with you is we have two immediate needs in our church. Two immediate needs in our church. For 2019, if we want to hit some goals, there's two needs we have to meet. God has richly blessed us with over 40 infants, babies, children five years and younger. He has blessed us with that. Some of us like, oh, it's a burden. It is a blessing. That we have. But listen, blessings can get taken away if we don't embrace it. Church, I'm gonna ask you to embrace the blessing that we have. There are many churches that would beg to have 10% of the children we have to bring some new life to the church. I love it whenever I'm preaching, I hear a baby or something like that. I'm like, man, that's good stuff, you know, that's fun. You know, and I was like, oh, I'm not, not really into that. Listen, that, that's an indication of life, okay, that things are happening, that there's young families that for some reason trust this place enough to bring their family. That's huge. Listen, we have kids, but listen, if our kids aren't taken care of, if, if I was a visitor here and there weren't enough workers back there to take care of my kids, I'd go somewhere else. So with that said, we have some needs. Nursery during worship service. Nursery during our worship service. Listen, I know we want to be here. We have some awesome, amazing music. Sometimes I actually get out on time. So you want to be here for those events. I get that. But listen, you're needed back there so that families can hear the gospel. 
You're needed back there. And I, I said, I think it was my first or second week here, I made a comment and I stick to it. Those people back there who are serving children are the heroes of this hour. Not me. They're the heroes of this hour. Because if it wasn't for them, many of y'all wouldn't be here to hear. So they are the heroes. And I believe so strongly in that ministry and the staff believe so strongly in that ministry that I have personally made a commitment every fifth Sunday I'm going to be in the back doing nursery. Hear a pen drop? (laughs) I'm going to be back there because I believe in it so much. And the staff is going to commit to do that as well. To be signed up to work in nursery because we believe in that ministry so much. So that means when I'm not here on the fifth Sunday, then Barry or Kenny may preach. Hey, <laughs> I still haven't heard him preach. I've been here two and a half years. But, uh, uh, or we'll have a guest speaker come, okay? And we'll have someone preach. Now, some of, some of us, maybe I don't really like that idea. Then take my place. All right. All right. So, so we're going to be sure those kids are taken care of. All right. So listen, if you think you may be called into the ministry, I want you to take out your bulletin. Tear off that sheet. His prayer requests right in there. This is my name. This is my contact information. I'd like to work with children. Here's another need we have in our service opportunity. Uh, four to five-year-olds during the Sunday school hour. Listen, some good news for you. This morning, remember why we did the nine o'clock hour. For two reasons. To get our children discipled and to get adults to have content, all right? To know the Bible better. Today, it is with great joy that I tell you that our children's Sunday school doubled today from, from last time. Doubled. Praise God. Praise God. But guess what? With the doubling, what do you, what do you need? Workers. Our four and five-year-olds, we need, this, during the Sunday school hour, we need a four and five-year-old teacher if you think you may be a part of that or want to be a part of that, fill that out. This is my name. This is my phone number. This is what I'd like to do, work in children's ministry. Another great need we have, Wednesday nights. We have great Bible study that, that takes place uh, on Wednesday nights. Also, we have youth ministry across the street. A lot of things happening out there. And then we have our team kids. There's a lot of boys in our team kid ministry, okay? A lot of boys in our team kid ministry. Kids, uh, we need help. We need about two or three more workers. And listen, we'll take, if, if you love God and like kids, we'll take you, okay? If you love God and you're not sure about kids, we'll take you. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Everyone goes through a screening process. But listen, if you love God and like kids, we want you here. We'd really like some men to step up. And to be, uh, to, to be here with those boys, okay? We really do. It's not, don't take that the wrong way. It's just, that's something that we see as a great need out there. So that's number one. We have some service opportunities that need to be filled this week. Okay, immediately. So again, take out that card where it says prayer requests on your bulletin. Write your name, phone number, and uh, what you might like to do. Uh, or you might just leave it blank and say, whatever. Whatever God's leading, I want to help fill in that gap. The second immediate need for our church is debt reduction. Debt reduction. What we need to do is we need to pay this off. We need to pay off uh, $350,000. And that covers the debt for the parking lot. 
I believe this was something that was voted on about four years ago. And during that vote, uh, there was this amount that was given to pay for the parking lot and also some uh, AV sound and all this, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, renewing of some devices as well as fixing some broken things and there's actually been a new need that has been established all right a new need and what i mean by that is you know what i'm have you ever been to a service where that happened at our church you ever been there well i want to invite um mr eric stott to come up here and share uh just a little bit about what that means Month three, Randy. (laughs) Like Scott said, uh, if you've been in one of our services, you're, especially when somebody's talking, it's, that's what you're hearing. Randy and I have done our best to try to pinpoint the problem. It's been going on for six months. I finally reached out to a good friend of mine. He's a, um, audio guy at a major university and also works at a, uh, audio at a major church. Told him what was going on. He said, Eric, I know what your problem is <clears throat> and tell you how to fix it. I said, well, great. And, and it wasn't too expensive. Then he said, hold on a minute. You need to understand something. Uh, come to find out the federal government is taking channels away. That's uh, going to be ineffective, my understanding, next year. Uh, <clears throat> so he, he more or less said, you're fixed. Don't spend the money. It won't work in another year. So we've uh, actually done some research, and uh, we're going to have to spend some more money. Uh, and I know we've done a lot of upgrading to the system. People have asked me, well, we've already upgraded. We've upgraded the board. We've upgraded speakers, monitor systems for the band. As far as my, my knowledge is, the mics haven't been upgraded in 15 years, 10 to 15 years. Uh, so that's where we stand. That's the need that, you know, we're going to have to be facing soon. Uh, but I just want to give you an uh, update on what you're hearing. For those that do get up and speak, if you'll do a Randy and I a big favor, keep this mic on your lips, talk loud and clear because it's actually a frequency problem. And the louder you are and the clearer you are, it actually helps us a little bit. So, but that's where we stand. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you keep it up, almost like you're kissing it, and if you would continue speaking, so sing whatever announcements you have, it'll be perfect. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't make any breaks, no. Uh, so with that said, with uh, the upgrade that he's talking about, as well as paying off our parking lot, it's $350,000. Now, what does that mean for us per year? That means in our budget that we approved last week, in our budget, that's $36,000 a year. So that's 10 plus years that we'd be paying that off. What does that mean for us? I'm going to make this statement now and I'm going to do it two more times. My plea today is for you to pray and to respond as God directs you in serving with our children's ministry and helping out with this debt. So how in the world do the people of God respond when God moves? Because God has moved in our midst. There's no doubt about that. We can see what God has done in 2018. Many of you can see what he has done personally. What I just told you was the tip of the iceberg. You don't know what goes on during the week, okay? As we've been able to counsel with families. We've been able to walk people through some tough areas in their life to help walk them through the scriptures whenever people are wrestling with 
uh, passages that they don't understand. We've been able to be there for people in the, in some of their darkest hours. Our small group leaders have been out uh, in hospitals and visiting uh, our deacons are visiting our shut-ins and our small group are visiting their members. There is so much going on that, that's, that's behind the scenes. You have no idea what is going on. Usually if you see the parking lot empty, it's because we're all out doing something. So there's a lot going on at our church. But if God has moved, how do you respond? If God has moved, how do you respond? If you have your Bible, if you would turn to Exodus chapter 35, Exodus chapter 35, now, what has just happened in this is, in this story, people did this, they committed to God. They had a covenant. Said, God, you're the only God for us. We love you. We're going to follow you no matter what. Forty days later, golden calf. All right? They built an idol and they worshipped it instead of the one true God. All right? God had to come down and deal with that. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but the people realized that they were wrong, that there is only one true God. And so God did a covenant renewal. Okay, I mean, think about that. It took them 40 days. It, it took us six days, right? <laughs> All right, so we're, we're there. We get that. Um, covenant renewal took place. And then Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments again because he broke them the first time. He broke all Ten Commandments in one time. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but yeah, he, they were all broken. And so he goes back to the mountain. God gives them the Ten Commandments again. While he comes down, the glory of God was all over him. I mean, his face shone. It was pretty freaky. The people were like, oh my goodness, this is what it means to be in the presence of God. And so with all the good stuff going on, the movement of God, the glory of God, the people were now called to make a response. All right. So if you're in Exodus chapter 35, let's look at verse 4 and 5. I'm going to skip through some of these verses because a lot of it is a whole lot of information. And uh, I'm going to just try to condense it for time's sake. In Exodus 35, verse 4 and 5, listen to what Moses said. He said, To all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a what? A willing, a generous heart. Not a generous bank account. Okay, not a full bank account. But whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. So, so what we see right here is God is calling the people to give. For what reason? For the building of the tabernacle. That's what has taken place. So the people have, have gotten away from Mount Sinai. They're heading towards the promised land. And God says, oh, before you go any further, you need to know what it means to worship me. So they're going to build a tabernacle. How did the people respond? Here was the command. If you have a willing heart, give, give to the tabernacle building. Look at verse 20. Exodus 35, 20 says, Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. And so they came, both men and women, all who were of a what? A willing heart. They brought stuff, and they brought stuff, and they brought stuff. Look at verse 29. All the men and the women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, they brought it as a what? As a free will offering. 
Okay, so this is, this is kind of different than when we, when we think about uh, a tithe or an offering. You know, we want to give uh, to God, to some of us, you know, that, that 10% okay, that, that we see in the Old Testament, which I believe uh, for the New Testament, think about it. A lot of people today say, we don't live by the Old Testament law anymore. We don't give 10%. Listen, everything, everything that was a command in the Old Testament that had a, a, a solid statement, like don't commit adultery, okay, that transferred into the new of saying, don't lust in your heart. So it was an even deeper, a more relational command than, than that. Not just between you and your spouse, but even between you and God. So to me, the New Testament says we are free to not be bound by 10%. We can give more. We want to give more understanding what God has given us. And so beyond all that, this was now a free will offering. Give that. There's a, there's a specific need in our midst. If you have a willing heart, if you have a generous spirit, give to this. Listen, what happens when the people of God are gripped by the reality that they know a good and gracious God? They can't help but to be gracious as well. Go to Exodus 36. Same story. Exodus 36, verse 3 to 7. I love this. This is amazing. It says, And they kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. So this has been happening now going on the second chapter. People keep bringing stuff. And look at what it says. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything for the contribution uh, for the sanctuary. So the people, check this out. They were restrained. They wanted to keep giving. They wanted to keep bringing. But they were restrained from bringing. For the material that they had was sufficient to do, excuse me, to do all the work and more. You know what God did here? God blessed the willing and generous hearts with overabundance. Did you hear that? God blessed the willing and generous hearts with an overabundance. So what do you and I give to? You give to what you think is most important. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 21, the scripture says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, so, so what we give to shows us who we are, shows us what we value. It shows us what is real in our life, what is real in our life. Now, I know when, when we're in church and we talk about money, that, that may ruffle some feathers, and I get it. And, and believe me, it's, it, it's really awkward for me to talk about it, because let's just be honest with you. Uh, the tithes and the offerings that you give, a portion of that goes to pay my salary, Okay, so this is really awkward for me. But at the same time, I'm getting less awkward talking about it. Because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than, it's bigger than you. Martin Luther said it this way. Every person must have three different conversions. A conversion of the head, follow Christ. A conversion of the heart, 
and a conversion of the purse. (laughs) He's right. He's right. Many of us, including myself at one time, were willing to do anything for God except give him my money. Which meant that I was worshiping that or what that can give me versus the God who saved my soul. And so now I'm getting a lot more comfortable talking about it. Again, it has nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with what God wants to do in and through our lives. So God blessed the willing and generous hearts with an overabundance. But can I just stop right now and say, the struggle to give is real. I get that. Because some of us have mortgages, we have car payments, we have bills, we have debts. Here's what I want to say to you, okay? And I wish that I can, I can maybe take you to Waffle House, have a cup of coffee and a waffle, okay? And, and just share uh, my heart on, on this issue. And we could really talk for 30, 45 minutes to an hour to talk about it. But I've only got a few seconds to make this point. Two things to say to you if you are in debt and you're struggling. Number one, get financial help. Did you hear me? Get biblical financial help. That's what you and I need. We need to know how to wisely spend the money that God has blessed us with. And if that is you, if you, if you honestly say, you know what? We're in a situation now in our life where we are struggling. We can't give to God. We can't even give to whatever it may be. I'm barely even making my own bills. And you're willing to get some financial counseling? Go to your bulletin. Tear off that card that says prayer requests and just write on there saying, this is my name, this is my phone number, and we would like to speak to a financial counselor, okay? We can, we can help you. We want to help you. We want your family to be healthy spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and financially. So if that's you, ask for help. Get financial help if you're struggling. And number two, if you're struggling, Give. Right, I said it. Give. Because your gift in God's hands blesses the receiver and the giver, right? And that would just happen in Exodus 36. God's blessing and overabundance. How about what Malachi says? A lot of people, they go to Malachi 3 to talk about the tithe and robbing God and all that stuff. Let's listen to the blessing of it. In Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in your house. Wait a minute. That goes against everything that I am used to, that, that, that my mind is telling me I should not do. In order for there to be food in my house, I shouldn't give to people. But God turns it around. He says, give. Give to the work of God so that there may be food in my house. How many of us feel like whenever we have a paycheck, we always have more bill than check? Okay, how many of us feel like whenever we put our money in our pocket, our pocket has holes in it? Okay, I've got a book for you. Read Haggai chapter 1. Okay, what you experience is nothing new under the sun. But what something is new is, is if we believe God enough to know what to do with the money that he has blessed us with. That's new. That's revolutionary. God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. God says, test me on this. I know this is hard. I know this requires dependence. But test me in this, says the Lord. If I will not, listen to what he says, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Wait a minute. 
If I give to the work of God, and I've got needs, if I give to the work of God, God says I'll have no need. Folks, i got a lot of questions about that. I'm going to be very honest with you. But I'm not speaking prosperity gospel preacher here. I just, I just quoted the word of God. And if he is true, then what he said is true. Some of us are struggling in so many different needs. And he says, be faithful to him and he'll pour down a blessing until there is no more need. And listen to what else he says. I will rebuke the devourer for you. That hole in your pocket, God will sew it up. Okay? That thing that keeps killing your crops, God has a way of shooing it away so that uh, it will not destroy your fruits. And the vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. Listen, I'm going to be very careful when I say this. God does not need you to give. Okay? God is not a poor peasant out there, okay, with a, uh, with a can in his hand doing a little jingle to, for, for you to drop in some coins. That is not the God of the universe. We don't, God does not need us to give, but I need the blessing of God of obedience, so I need to give. I need to be dependent on God instead of thinking that I can depend upon myself. I need to honor and worship Jesus as Lord. And if that means giving him what he gives my generous and willing heart to do, then so be it, Scott Scripture. Do it for the glory of God and he will turn it around for good. Why give? Listen, it's an act of worship. We give to what we believe in, don't we? We know that. We can look at each other's checkbooks and know what we believe in. We give to what we love. We give to what we're passionate about. And we give to what we treasure. To put another way, this. You give to what you're committed to, right? You give to what you're committed to. If it's exercise, you're going to pay the monthly fee. No problem. That's never going to be late. All right? If you're committed to any kind of social club or whatever, you give to that thing. You give to what you're committed to. Listen, the average church member in America gives. We talk about the tithe being 10%. Listen, the average church in America gives about 2%. That's not called commitment. That's called involvement. That's not commitment. That's involvement. And you want to know something even sadder? I wish I could go with a microphone and go to each of y'all and say this. Why are you a Christian, not a Muslim? Why are you a Christian, not a Jew? Why are you a Christian instead of whatever? And your answer hopefully will be something like this, man, because I have, I have researched and I've studied that the word of God is true, that there's salvation in no other name except Jesus Christ. And I'm like, absolutely. Did you know that worldwide, Jews and Muslims give 20% more to what they believe in than what Christians believe in. We have the truth. And we don't believe it enough to sacrificially give. Because somewhere in our minds, we still think it's all about these next 20, 40, 60 years. Somehow we forget that there's a God in heaven 
who desires us to make disciples, to change eternity. And yet we're focused on the temporary. That's where we're at. Statistics show that. Commitment versus involvement. You know the difference between involvement and commitment? The difference is like bacon and eggs. You've heard that story, right? Chicken goes up to the pig and says, listen, the farmer's an amazing guy. We should do something special for him. And the pig is like, uh, what do you want to do? How about let's get him some breakfast? That sounds great. What do you want to fix? Bacon and eggs. Okay? The chicken will have involvement. All right? He'll drop a few eggs. But the pig, that's commitment. That is commitment. Commitment. I close with this thought. God never asks us to do what he has not already done. Christ was not just involved in our lives. He was committed to us. And let's get away from the pig because that would be offensive to a Jew. Revelation 5, 12 and 9 says this. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. How many of you would say that Jesus died at 33 or 30, you know, mid-30s? How many of you say that he had a wasted life because he died so early? None of us would, right? And yet to us, it's, it's a wasted life if we don't live to our 90s. Maybe our perspective needs to change. Jesus, who was as wealthy as wealth could ever be in the throne of heaven, made himself poor so that we who have nothing can be given everything in Christ. You know what he calls us to do? The same thing. He calls us to give it up for the nations, just like he did. Giving is the very heart of God. My plea for you today is that you would pray And that you respond as God directs. Which brings me to the debt reduction. Alright, just give me a few more moments. Debt reduction. There are two plans that we have. Two plans that we have to get rid of debt. You see the debt payoff goal here? Okay, 10% is $35,000. The goal, $350,000. Woo, have a party. We'll get cake balls and everything. It'll be awesome. Alright, I want us to reach this goal. We have to reach this goal. You know Why? Because every year we pay $36,000. You know what $36,000 can do in ministry? Not debt. You know what $36,000 can do? We'd have three fall festivals. Or four. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done if we didn't have debt. We needed it. A parking lot. People were falling in. Okay? Okay? It was bad. It was a necessary thing. But we got to pay this off. I, there's two goals that I want to throw out to you to help us to get rid of this debt. Okay, two goals. Number one, goal number one is this. There's an auction that we're going to do in May. There's an auction we're going to do in May. We're going to ask each family, each family in the church, to give up something of value for the auction. To give up something of value for this auction. All right. It's going to be a big community auction. Okay, We want to get as many people involved as possible. Every bit of that money is going to go to paying off this debt. Okay, 
what are some things to give? I, I don't want to say too much because, you know, value is in the eye of the beholder. But here's what we don't want. We don't want your broken children's toys. You know, you know that kind of thing. That won't help, okay? Something of value. Something for your family to pray about. Okay? To some people, it may be a golf cart. To some people, it may be uh, jewelry. I don't know. Something that, that, that you're, you have there that, you know, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't know. Our family has committed to giving uh, one of our vehicles away. Uh, okay? We, uh, my mom, as you all know, my mom is, is uh, passing away uh, pretty quickly with uh, emphysema. And when I went to Texas, my mom has a 2000 Ford Explorer. So she gave it to me to drive and it'll help me out with a lot of things. But now we have, because of that, we have an extra vehicle. It's not in any way, you know, if you've seen my vehicles, they're not like the, the newest thing. But you know what? I could sell that, put that in savings or, or do something else. But God laid it upon me to say, no, you know, this is too important. I don't know what that means for you. And please, I didn't say that to get a pat on my back. I didn't. Just to give you an example, that we as a staff are committed to this. So the number one thing is an auction in May. The second thing we want to do is we want to ask you to pray about a financial gift. Okay? A financial gift. If you look in the bullets, I mean, in the, uh, the pews there, there's a green uh, envelope. And in the green envelope, it, that's, that's going to be our debt reduction uh, envelopes, okay, that we're going to ask people to, to give to. Now, this is something you guys have to pray about. I get this. That we're asking for something huge here, okay? So let's just for fun say this. $5 a week. That's $260 a year. $5 a week. If 100 people gave $5 a week, that'd be 26000 Okay, that would almost pay a year's uh, thing. You know, we have this built in our budget, but if, if, if people gave 26000 that would help relieve the budget. That would be amazing. If you give $10 a week, that's $52,000. That's almost two years. If, if 100 people gave $10 a week, that would be $52,000 that would be paid towards the debt. That is huge. If you gave $20 a week, 10, if, if 100 people, if 100 people gave $20 a week, that'd be $104,000. Okay, a third of our debt would be paid in a year. You see where this is going, right? And currently right now we have, I think, 150 giving units, okay? 150 people that are giving on a consistent basis. I do not know your names, okay? All I have is a number, about 150, 145 to 155 people who are giving consistently. If 100 of them gave $20 a week, a third of our budget, okay? That is, that's pretty big. I get that. That's what we could do. Imagine if $100,000 was given to this budget, plus we make a few thousand dollars off of the auction. We could cut the budget in half in one year. That is amazing to think. But here's also what I want to do. I want to make a challenge. Listen very carefully. I want to make a challenge. This may not be for everybody in here. You pray about this. This is a challenge that I'm going to accept. This is extreme. Give a week's paycheck this year. A week's paycheck. Here's what that might look like. Okay? 
Currently, right now, we, we take about $10,000, ninety-five dollars to $10,000 a week, right? Y'all know that. It's, it's, look in the bulletin. You see that. Okay. About $10,000 is what we give a week. We need ten five to, to make our, our budget. So everything that I'm saying here is above and beyond your offering. It has to be. Okay. If you rob Peter to pay Paul, we're, we're in trouble. Okay. So you got to continue to give uh, your, your tithes and offerings. You, you still, we need you to do that to keep things running. Okay. To keep ministries going, youth, children, adult, small group. We need that. This is for the, the uh, parking lot debt. If we give about $10,000 a week and say that's the 10%, then to me, 100% of a week is over $100,000. If people committed to give a week's paycheck, I know that's big. That is a faith goal. Some of you may have already checked out. I'm going to ask you to do this. You, you go home with your family. You pray about it. What it is you want to do. I know that what I'm asking you to do is crazy. And if you're a guest here, you're probably totally freaking out right now. But listen, my God is huge. And God wants to do something at Buck Creek. And we don't want, we don't want finances to get in the way of what God wants to do in our children, in our youth, in our adults' lives. So my invitation to you is this. My plea for you today is to pray. And to respond as God directs. My invitation to you is simple. Come to Christ. He is the only one. The only one who can save your soul. No other religion. No seance. Nothing can save you. Not even enough apologies can save you. The only one who can save you. Is the one who died for your sins. And that's Christ. Come to him. Receive him today. My invitation to you who are believers. Serve him in ministry. Yes, you are needed, in case you're wondering. Yes, you are needed. We may not know you're there. Come to us. Come to a ministry.